All right, episode five, center court with Coach Dakota Webb. Um, chopping it up with my guys, Luke Cooper and Gunnar Person. Um, could you guys do the audience a favor? Let's assume they don't have a clue who you are. Fair Luke. assumption. <laughs> Fair assumption. Um, Luke, I'll start with you, and then Gunnar, you can. Uh, Let me go first. Let me go first. You want to go first? Yeah, it's almost like whenever it's almost like whenever you go to a coach's clinic and you have someone go before you who just absolutely killed yeah. it, it's and like then you're like, okay, how do I follow coaches. that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm a skills coach, kind of along the same uh, path as you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a high school coach as well. Right. I'm a JV and head assistant coach at uh, Harrisonville, Missouri. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what I do. I'm in the Kansas City metro area. Mm-hmm. And I mean, once I hand it off to Luke, I mean, he'll be able to cover it a little bit more. But whenever he's out of the area, right. um, I tend to try to do my best to hold it down and, and build the basketball community in that area. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah, so I'm, um, <clears throat> I'm from Kansas City. Or I'm actually from Harrisonville, so uh, the school that Gunner coaches at now. Um, and I basically, I kind of have a weird schedule, so I split, essentially split my schedule between Kansas City for six months, kind of in the, in the fall and the winter, mm-hmm. and then um, L.A. for six months, kind of in the summer. Right. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's that's pretty much it. <laughs> we probably got a little bit more yeah. in there. Um, so obviously, I mean, you started in the same realm where we're kind of heavy right now. A lot of youth, a lot of high school, and I know you still work with youth in high school, mm-hmm. but it's a transition now, right? It's probably like part of the year, not as much. Right. Um, spring and summer off season, NBA off season, you're doing more of those workouts, right? Um. So I would like to speak to that for you, kind of like just what the off season looks like in your current state, and then we can always run it back to the high school stuff afterwards. Yeah, so I, you know, around April um, is kind of when things start to get serious um, for the off season stuff, because that's pretty much when, um, you know, so the way the NBA draft works is for a lot of guys anyway, mm-hmm. as soon as they lead or as soon as they lose in the NCAA tournament. Yeah most of them that know that they're done. So like, there's obviously the guys that are kind of, you know, test the waters, but the guys who are like, I'm leaving, mm-hmm. pretty much leave school. Mm-hmm. And they essentially start training for pre-draft as soon as possible. Right. So that can start um, as soon as, you know, the beginning of April. And then all the way April, May, June is pretty much pre-draft stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on NBA schedules, depending on when players lose. So like, Obviously, if you have a guy for the Warriors who plays till you know July every year, he's not right. doing anything till later on in the summer. Um, but say you have a couple guys that you know miss the playoffs, they'll start in May, pick up you know heavy in June, mm-hmm. and then that goes all the way through until about September first, which is when players have to report to um, to training camp. So April through September is pretty much uh, chaotic players coming and going every week and stuff like that. Right. And that's obviously like they still have some sort of like family time built in there. Other, other trips they're doing or, you know, maybe they have an endorsement deal where they got this, you know, obligation or whatever. So you have to juggle that as well, I'm sure. Yeah. But. So, I mean, they're good. They're good about taking time. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also good about working. So what a lot of them do, especially early on, is they'll you know work out for a week, vacation for a week, work out for right. a week, hard vacation for a week, hard. 
Um, just because, you know, one, an 82-game season is grueling in itself. Right. And then you don't want to work out for four straight months because you think, like, you know, you lose. And say you start training in May. So you have May, June, July, August. Like, that's four months. That's a yeah. long time oh, yeah. to train. And it's not like, you know, some of the stuff we do, you know, if we have academies, it's like we'll see people two times a week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a lot for a high school kid. Maybe three These guys are looking at sometimes two times a day. You're looking at like eight to ten workouts a week. Yeah. And so it's unsustainable, and it's not good for them to do that for four straight months. No. So a lot of them will hit it, you know, for a week on, week off, you know, for the first six, seven, eight weeks, um, go to their vacation, do their family Mm -hmm. time, um, and then kind of that last, you know, halfway through July and all of August is when – players kind of lock in for that last like six months or six weeks right gunner i know you you and i both you more than me been in the gym when luke's doing his thing and working Mm -hmm. his guys um based on like the context you have with his workouts or what you've seen with drew or any of these other guys at that level where do you personally see the overlap between like you know obviously an nba player and a high school player two very different things right Mm -hmm. or even the college player that's sandwiched in between there depending on what level of college, all the way down to that, like, you know, 10, 11, 12 year old. There's a lot of different levels of this, mm-hmm. but how does, how do you think we trickle that down to those levels and take that context and help out those kids? Um, so I think the biggest thing with, um, with that and what I've been able to watch with Luke and, and although I'm a little bit older than he is, his in a way has been like mentoring and been a good way for me to like right. see um, how to how to attack those younger age groups, but also make it seem like they're not working on things that are like, okay, you guys are at you know a beginner level, of you know, because um, kids can notice that like they pay attention to that stuff. They're a lot yeah. more observant than I think people realize. Yeah. Um, but th- I think that's one thing that's important alone in itself is I think that you have to portray it or at least present it in a way to them that it's like. Mm-hmm this is really important. And if you can prove to them that like people at the, the higher levels do the same stuff, then I think that motivates them to do it uh, yeah. even more, Of course, you know? And so I think that something that I've taken into consideration that I've learned or that I've even noticed in my own time of studying things is like, I think that um, it's more than just uh, motivation. I think that it's like an interest. It, it has to be something that interests them to, okay. to help them want to, you know, put in that work. So you have to, whether it's, um, pulling one or two kids out from a bigger workout and saying like, okay, what is it that like, what don't you understand? Cause obviously we know that that like kids are scared to ask questions. Right. And so, um, <clears throat> if we can, if we can get them to like pull them aside and just attack the fact that it's like, um, we, we have to put it in a way that they can understand. Like, this is why you have to, this is why you have to do it. Yeah. You know, um, sometimes it's challenging, especially whenever, like, as an example, we were talking about last night over the summer, we had our um, Elite 24 Academy in Overland Park, and we had two baskets we're working with with anywhere from, you know, 25 to 30 kids showing up to workouts, you know, and so sometimes that's hard to manage um, (laughs) being a fifth grader through an eighth grader. Yeah, because um, that, fifth, that fifth and sixth range is very different from that seventh and eighth. Right. I've come across that as well, like making those grades. Yeah, but I think that um, it's helped me being a teacher in, a long, in yeah. the long run too because I have to work on differentiating between oh, yeah. students that need that enrichment and students that um, 
necessarily need a little bit less in, or more instruction, just less detail, yeah. I guess, in a way. So it's not as particular. And so it would kind of be beneficial if we had more baskets. But, you know, you find ways to maneuver that and, yeah. and work around well, it. You and know? I think the key there is, like you mentioned a couple times, that you find a way. Right. right. I mean, it is what it is at the end of the day. Like, we still have to find a way to get some value from that from that time. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned, like, in your, and I'll paraphrase, but basically a lot of what you were talking about to me was being empathetic to the context, being empathetic to the um, to the human being. Right. Right. So it's like each and every player we train, kind of putting ourselves in their shoes as to what's going to get them to buy in, because at the end of the day, if they don't have that buy in, then what we're saying is just falling on deaf ears and they're there because mom and dad want them to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. or maybe they like basketball and so it's a, it's a good time, but are they really truly getting what they could out of it? Um, how do you think, so like kind of running it back to when you started doing this, right? And, you know, what, what was the first year you did training? I'm, I, I can't remember exactly. So I started, I did my first camp when I was a sophomore in high school. Well, like what year was that? I can't remember when you graduated, bro. <laughs> 2012. Okay. Okay. So I I would have started winter of 2013, I believe. Right. And so, um, and that was when I was out in Colorado. But I'm curious, you know, from then until the moment that you went out to LA and kind of went heavy into the NBA side of it, you know, obviously that's a lot of workouts. It's a lot of different groups, a lot of different individuals at that youth and high school level. How did things change for you in the way that you approached that? Does that make any sense? Like, where did you see? Yeah, where did you see? Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of curious in like not where you saw growth in like business and numbers, but where you saw growth and how you maybe articulated and communicated these workouts, or maybe how you structured things, or maybe the things you decided to focus on. You know, even he was saying, you know prioritizing basically what we do yeah i think that's a good question i think really early on you know drew's always been kind of a mentor drew hanlon um and so i think really early on i was basically copying what he did yeah and so i was trying to copy and paste Mm -hmm. from his workouts into my workouts um and obviously you know when he's got brad beal and i got I don't know. I was going to say some name, um, but not Brad Beal. Um, the fourth grade version of Brad Beal. Uh, it's probably not good for him to do a tight wrap ball screen. You know what I mean? It's probably, probably unrealistic. Probably and so, not contextual. Yeah. Um, so honestly, that was a hard thing for me to navigate mm-hmm. um, at first. Right. And then you start to realize, okay, you know, um, here's the clients I have. I understand the higher level parts of this. Yeah but it doesn't do the, these kids any good to show them that because they don't even know how to shoot a left-hand layup or to do right. a crossover or anything like that. Um, and it was a struggle though. It was a, mentally it was a struggle for me and uh, it was one of the reasons that I wanted to, to try the LA thing out and to yeah. go all in was because like you and you, I spent so much time studying the game at like the highest level, NBA. Right. Yeah. And so in college, like so much time looking at all that stuff. And it's like, you have all that knowledge, but you're doing the, the players that you're working with in middle school and high school, sometimes a disservice if you actually try to show them all that stuff. Oh yeah. You're not actually helping you're them. You're not helping them. Yeah, you're, you're just, just sufficing your own ego. Exactly. Um, and so 
the move was a big part of me, but all right, let's see if I can like put this knowledge to work and let me be around different people and, and different players that are and coaches that are you know at the highest yeah. of whatever and hopefully help up my game, you know, in return. So Right. So so in some ways it's it's kind of scratching that itch and trying something that you're very interested in and in seeing what it looks like instead of just studying it. Yeah, I really um, like my goal um is I want like egotistically I want people to be like, yo, that's one of the best like basketball minds that course. I know. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, um yeah. I have that very yeah, similar I think, goal. And I think yeah. that that's something that um you should probably I don't know if you should wanna have it, but I think some people have it just because they wanna right. you know, you put so much time into something. Yeah. Um you wanna be good at it. Yeah. You know I think like ironically you know, I was parented in such a way that I'm so grateful for mm-hmm. and that, you know, I could get a little high on my own supply at times. And like my parents really tried to like, you know, give me a little more humility mm-hmm. and, and help me be a little bit more empathetic in those things. But I, I wonder if at times like lately I've been trying to, you know, hedge that with also, you know, it's healthy. It's OK to want to push ourselves and to want to. Yeah, you know, we all have different goals. It's not like we all need to do the same thing. No, but... I think to piggyback on that, I will say yeah. I am every single day grateful for my parents. Yeah. Um, my dad. It doesn't matter who's in the room. Mm-hmm. He's gonna think that I'm the best at like whatever we're doing. Yeah. And I remember times telling him like, "Yo, Dad, it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'm not that good at you know whatever the case may be." We gotta chill. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, uh, um, and it was always came from like they raised me to be a great person, right? Um, and you know, treat people the right way and all that. Mm-hmm. But it was also the confidence of to believe in yourself and to be willing to take risk. Okay. And I think that um, like as a parent. I think that's huge for, for your kids. Yeah. You know, my mom was a teacher, so it didn't necessarily come from her. Mm-hmm. Um, not that like, teachers can't, but that's just like her whole family was teachers. Mm-hmm. So that's like all she knew. Yeah. Uh, my dad came from like more of like a business side of, um, of things. And I'm super grateful for that because I think it helped me be like, all right, you know what? Like if it works, yeah. great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I think that's where a lot of people get, you know, scared. It's even like doing this podcast. Right. Putting yourself out there, doing a podcast. Oh, yeah. People yeah. are like, Dakota Webb, you're doing a podcast. You know it's what like, I mean? Oh, like, okay. Six, four yeah. listeners. All right, then. <laughs> you know, but but yeah. it's just, it's the confidence to be able to listen. Like, exactly. Anyone, like, I sent this to Matt Pugh the other day. Shout out, Matt Pugh. Yeah, shout out to Matt Pugh. He's awesome. Another, another <laughs> sales coach for Pure Sweat. Because he was talking about, he was scared to put out, like, they're not scared, but like this piece of content. And he's like, I don't know what the backlash will be and all this. And I was like, bro, honestly, no one really cares in the end. Yeah, truthfully. And the people that do care and do say something, they didn't want something. you to win anyway. Yeah. So nothing, so nothing really changes. It, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. the only people that really, really care mm-hmm. are either the people that really like you or really, really hate you. And the yeah. people that really like you are going to support you. People that hate you are going to say stuff, but like they weren't supporting you anyway, so it doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, it's inconsequential. So I think that's just super important for everyone and just to kind of to be willing to be like, all right, I want to push myself to be mm-hmm. maybe the best I can be. It doesn't mean you have to 
Coach Neff's a high school basketball coach. Yeah. Now he coaches Mocan and they won Peach Jam. So, like, yeah. put it in the context. But I think he's one of the best basketball minds I've yeah. ever been around. Well, he was talking, you know, for those listening or those watching, you know, we, we've been doing a coach's clinic the last couple of days. And Coach Neff was mentioning last night that as far as his high school job goes during the during the year, he makes, what, 5500 bucks for yeah. his coaching stipend, right? And, you know, I was talking to a local high school coach that – makes comparable to that at one of our better local five A's down here. And, you know, that doesn't really matter at the end of the day. You know, it's, it's kind of like you were, like you were talking about in our own way. Like that's not how we measure mm -hmm. what the impact is that we're doing. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you can still have a crazy impact. And, um, I think sometimes we get caught up in, in that whenever it comes to other industries, it feels like amongst coaches though, like it's pretty, you know, unless you end up at that 1%, like every other industry, it's pretty well accepted that we're probably not getting rich yeah. training in YMCAs yeah. on the south side of town. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's what separates um, us from a lot of other people, especially yeah. within the business that we're in. And, and I, I put something on my Instagram story yesterday morning, actually, because yeah. um, they're talking about how, like, some people do it for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we find riches in what we're doing other than just the exactly. tangibles, exactly. you know, that, yeah. that stuff. You know, we find riches in like, um, seeing that it might be mm -hmm. um, helping a kid in general, or whether it's like a parent that, that we know that has a kid and yeah. we do workouts for them for free, or you know, something like that. It's not like it's necessarily, necessarily a favor, mm -hmm. but um, a lot of times I feel like we're not, we're not doing it out of the goodness of our heart, but we're doing it because we find yeah. like, I don't know, like correct me if I'm wrong, but we find like at least a little bit of um, happiness in doing it, whether there's a price tag oh, on it or not, you know? Yeah. yeah, we're, I was thinking about the, this morning, I was thinking about my talk later today. Yeah. Um, like we're so lucky. We really are. Yeah. Like we're yeah. so lucky. We teach basketball with really no consequences. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that yesterday, like but, watching all these coaches and they're, they're like coaching programs and having to talk about administration and teaching jobs and recruiting or whatever it is that, and I'm like thinking to myself, like how, how blessed are we that we're just all in on basketball and somehow able to figure that out. And, and I know just, you're not in that same boat right now, but you, but you also are, right. like you're in it. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I interrupted you. But yeah, I'm good at that. Disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just it's just crazy, you know. Yeah. Like, but that's I think it's a it's a good um, lesson to people listening. It's just there's always like another way to make it happen. And yeah. so I remember you talking yesterday. I really liked it. Um, you're like my failures as a player led me to be a coach earlier. Mm -hmm. And think you know in 2019 it's like there's so many different ways to get involved in the stuff you like of course um yeah. you know everyone wants to be a player and it's like that's awesome but that's mm -hmm. no matter who you are the ball stops bouncing at some point exactly you know and and i agree with what you said like the ball stopped bouncing for me way earlier than i thought it would for different reasons mm -hmm. um and at the time it was the worst possible thing in my head right now it's my biggest blessing yeah you, you know, have that head start in a lot of ways. A hundred percent. It's like we're just to be, you know, trainers, skills coaches, players, mm -hmm. whatever you want to label it. Um, yeah. It's 
you know, we're the, in my opinion, one of the luckiest people in the world for what we do. Well, especially if like, you know, if, if you're lucky enough to have some success or be somewhat good at what you love, like that's just, that's something I'm going to squeeze the absolute crap out of. Yeah. Right. And just like try to not take it for granted. Um, cause and part of what I was talking about yesterday too, I, and I was, you know, speaking to one of the, um, college coaches that was there after, after my session, he was mm-hmm. talking to me about it. And I firmly believe that, and it took me years to get to this point. It didn't happen like that, but I firmly believe that the coach I am today or the person I am today, like, you know, is obviously going to be different if I didn't face those adversities and, and, and the simple fact that I got to where I wanted to, like I wanted to be a college basketball player more than anything. Like basketball was my identity. And then I failed, you know what I mean? And I had to own that at first I tried to blame other people. And then like within two, three years, I'm like, shoot, man, that's my fault. You know, this I'm coaching kids every day and turns out I wasn't doing the things that I'm coaching, which then I had to take a look at myself and like, how do I be the best coach I can be? You know, and how do you think, because this is just something I get caught up on a lot and I think about, um, with your personal journey as a human being, right? And like, your, whether it's your past, your present, whatever, how has that affected how you coach or how you approach like working with players or even how you teach, you know, you're in the school. So my personal background with that whole thing is, is I went to three different high schools growing up. Yeah. So um, I got to, I was surrounded by a diverse mm-hmm. amount of yeah. people you know um and i always tried to take basketball with me wherever i went right. um although i ended up going to a new school my senior year mm-hmm. i ended up going to nixa that's whenever i moved yeah. down here for my senior year like basketball culture like that's the biggest basketball cultured school i'd ever been around yeah. um and um, I wasn't necessarily like engaging because I mean being a new kid at a senior you know senior year yeah. um, not ideal yeah. by any means you know <laughs> but um, I had since I lived in Willard a few years prior to that I knew of a couple of guys that were on the basketball team right. and so um, I was still able to talk to them at school and kind of you know mm-hmm. um, at least talk in a way that was like about basketball wasn't much outside of basketball you know Mm -hmm. but um i that's one way that i think that has led me to um wanting to teach the game because that i mean it's just the diversity and that's something that i've talked to that i've mentioned to a, a quite a few coaches and um and i wish more coaches would do that as well as like at the coaches clinic we said you said that this morning is like coaches don't ask questions like no it's almost like a hypocritical type of thing where coaches are always like if you don't know ask a question and and whenever you go to a coach's clinic um, a lot of times some coaches won't ask a question even though in the back of their mind they're still like I don't know why do you think that is I think that my thing is is I think that basketball is a universal language if you know the game then you're gonna like you can talk to anyone whenever it comes to basketball but I also think that it boils down to a point of thinking I don't want that person to think that I'm dumb. Like, I don't know that, right. you know? And yeah. so if I ask someone of that, that might have the answer, mm-hmm. I don't want to be like the guy that's like trying to yeah. absorb more when the guy next to me is like, this far, guy didn't know we're that. We're far too concerned you know? with like what others think of our expertise. Right. Right. And I think, I think it's like what I was I talking about yesterday is, and I definitely not perfect, but one of my goals is to, 
not have that fear, right? Like embrace the faith, the family, the failures, but not have fear. And that's easier said than done. Yeah. I definitely have my, my moments of doubt, right? But, um, and I'm sure you did as well, right? I mean, just taking a jump from training in your backyard you know, Dude, I had training high school kids. I had doubts of driving here this morning. <laughs> Why the but, hell am I doing it at 7.30? <laughs> but I think, uh, <laughs> I, think, um, I think that's healthy, right? Yeah. Like, none of us are, like, superhuman, and we don't deal with those same struggles. Yeah. But it's just how we maybe address them or, or yeah. ignore them at times, right? I mean, I used to be super scared of flying. Really? Yeah. Um, like four or five years ago, I had a really, really bad flight. Um, and for a while, I was like, Dude, I'm never getting on an airplane again. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's traumatic. It. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and that was, you know, I wasn't flying that much back mm. then. And then I remember having a combo with myself and I was like, all right, what I want to do, I can't say I want to travel the world teaching basketball. <laughs> And then not want to get on a plane. It's hard to drive yeah, around. We're gonna have a tour bus, <laughs> and um, and so I had a conversation. It was like, all right, like I'm not gonna live life scared like that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so it's a silly example, right. but now you know I fly once, twice, three times a week. You know, mm-hmm. I'm all over with some things, and so I still hate it. Um, but it's For like different reasons, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, some things. You just kind of got to get over and just yeah. do it. Um, yeah, shout out Spirit Airlines. Yeah, Spirit Airlines. Also, um, I wanted to add something to that. There, I actually heard this the other day. Well, I didn't hear it, but I'm in a group chat with some of my Hannibal buddies that I, I keep in contact with. And um, <laughs> one of my buddies actually sent into the group. He said, hey, I'm listening to this book. And, and um, they mentioned that you have a 1 in 11 million chance being in a plane crash. And you have a one in eighty-eight thousand chance in um, and uh, dating a supermodel. So he was like, "I guess I need to get to sending eighty-eight thousand DMs or something to find a supermodel." So uh, I'm halfway there. And I'm yeah. for 40, 40, 40. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out Instagram blocks you after a while. <laughs> no, I think it's true. I think it's just like what we were talking about earlier with doing the podcast and anything yeah. like that. I think the stuff that scares you is probably the stuff that you should do. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, it's the stuff that you keep thinking about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like um, there's multiple times where I haven't done stuff where I felt myself just be a little scared to do it, mm-hmm. um, especially early on. And then I still regret it. Yeah. You know, I, so most of the time, the stuff that, that kind of scares you and worries mm-hmm. you, um, especially, you know, in business or in life or whatever, is probably the stuff that you should at least right. give it a chance. Well, that's. I mean, that's kind of like a, a personal point of pride for me at times. Mm-hmm. And also a daily reminder, you know, because I think to myself at the moments that I like took that leap or like I pulled out the safety net. And then still sometime today, I'm going to be thinking to myself, who the heck do I think I am? Like, am I really trying to pull this off? And I'm going to have to remind myself, yeah, like you pulled that safety net. You've done really well or you've managed, you yeah. know what I mean? We haven't, we haven't gone up in flames quite yet so yeah. let's keep pushing forward no, you're killing it man i i legitimately doubt myself 16 times a day yeah and it's like i wish i could be the guy that sits up here yeah. um and part of it's my personality people think i'm just ultra confident um because mm-hmm. i'm sarcastic I feel like they kind of <laughs> go hand in hand 
Um, but I wish I could be the guy. I, was like, I knew I, like, I know I'm going to win. Yeah. You know, I don't have any. It's like, dude, every day I'm like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did I do? Like, why did I give up, mm-hmm. you know, the, what we built in Kansas City um, to go chase something? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like every single day. But it's one of those things where I think I can live with the results in three years if it didn't work out. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure I would be super happy with myself three years down the line if I didn't try, though. Yeah. I, I mean, and the flip side of that, you don't know the alternative anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, it is what it is at yeah. a certain point. Um, what do you guys think is the dumbest thing you've done as a coach this year? <laughs> 730 podcast. 730 <laughs> podcast. Top five. <laughs> um, dumbest thing I've done as a coach. I know. It, it makes me think, right? But I, th- I think it's – I don't know that it's like – a bad thing to consider because mm-hmm. we're we should be auditing what we do right and so i think as long as it's not a, a point of like judging over judging ourselves yeah. or beating ourselves up because like i said we never know and mm-hmm. you, you have to try things and i was saying this at the clinic yesterday is you know sometimes and, and i'm stealing this directly from drew you know sometimes that thing leads to the thing right and so you're like shoot that was stupid or that was a waste time or mm-hmm. man, that wasn't it but it got you gears turn in or it got your yeah. got you seeing something else and so i can't necessarily pinpoint like you know you're an idiot right you know for whatever but there's definitely you know a plethora of times where that didn't work Yo, you yeah. know yeah i think i just don't i don't i didn't at the time consider it like um a huge loss like yeah. you're saying so i guess yeah. it it's not regi- like it's not crippling. register as and, like, and i think stupid. maybe the way we look at that yeah probably like the question's a little more harsh no but, but it's a good question though i think um, that's a good question in, for everyone in general though right like for me i'm wondering if you know i i need to lean heavier into like I've I've leaned so hard into making sure I'm doing what teams need mm-hmm. and what coaches need of their players, but I also lately have been trying to ch- trying to hedge that with challenging the individual in a way that is interesting, like you said earlier, mm-hmm. right? And not just um, you know sometimes I worry that I get too stagnant. Yeah. I try to change the the shell or the way we work on it. But in a lot of ways I continue working on the same skills because I just think we need to do the you things need often. Them. Yeah. You, you need, need them. them. <laughs> and so sometimes that's a point of guilt that I shouldn't have because yeah. you need those skills. But I also think that maybe I need to continue to challenge myself to be more creative. Right. And so, and I know that's, that's kind of a cliche answer. No, right? I, think it's but true. I know one thing like specific, I can pinpoint. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh, so first of all, my buddy Spencer Reeves, yeah. real good friend, uh, played at UCM. Mm-hmm. He um, after he graduated and before he went over to Spain, he was he had a lot of free time, so yeah. he was spending a lot of time like just traveling all over the place. Mm-hmm. And um, he his younger brother transferred from Wichita State to Oklahoma, so he's at OU right now. Yeah, um, redshirted last year, will be playing this coming year finally, um, but. Spencer was going to Norman and Spencer was like, dude, you should come to Norman. Like you can work out with me, like get in the gym with Austin, try and get a couple other OU guys there. Right. I was like, I mean, I don't 
really want to, you know. Um, My car at the time um, was a piece of junk. Uh, The plates were expired. Is this the same car you didn't want to drive to Chicago? Yes. (laughs) It was around the same time period. It It was like shortly before that. And and so I was like, I'm not paying for a plane ticket. Yeah. I was like, train doesn't go there. I have to take like three different trains if I want to do that. And so I was like, you know what? (laughs) I'm going to, uh, I'm going to hop on a bus. I'm going to pay for a bus ticket. What? (laughs) And so I took a, yeah, I did. I took a bus and here's what sucked. So, dude, relax. (laughs) Relax. Relax. So, I don't want to take too long with this story because it's a really long story. But, um, (laughs) anymore. (laughs) The bus left from the Amtrak station in Warrensburg. I get on there at like six o'clock. We take the bus from Warrensburg to Kansas City, right there on like Payola. Or not Payola. What's that called? What's the name of that? Like, it used to be Martin Luther, or it is Martin Luther King Drive now, but they changed the name to it. You know KC. You're the KC guy. Dude, like I can't get to my house without pulling people. <laughs> anyway, this was a. It was a little bit of a. It was a little bit of a rough spot where the where the bus station's located there. Yeah. Truth. And yes, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. Um, and so I was hanging out there for. <laughs> The next bus didn't leave until like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. So I was supposed to sit there at this bus station for a few hours. So I was like, I'm not doing this. Had a friend who was at UMKC Dental School. So I hung out with them for a little while and then went back to the bus station. Um, The bus is uh, 45 minutes late. So we get on the bus at about midnight. Sounds about right. Hop hop on the bus. We get to like Raytown and the bus dies. And we pull over. And <laughs> Please tell me at that point you Ubered home. No. Okay. They, it took <laughs> It took about two and a half hours for a new bus to come out, pick us up. They this had is... to take us back to the bus station to make sure that everything was okay with the new bus we're going right. on. And then took that bus to Oklahoma. And by the time we got to, I didn't even make it all the way to Norman. Yeah. Um, I made it to Oklahoma City. And I told Spencer, I said, dude, you've got to come pick me up. Like, I cannot be on this bus anymore. And he drove an extra hour to come pick me up and take me there. And then after that, everything was cool because he just drove me to Warrensburg like after. He, but... he frames this like it's like some awful story. But to me, like it's like the Odyssey. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's <laughs> It was terrible. Like that situation alone, it was the, that is the single-handed like worst thing that I did. Um, like worst experience I had been through, like the chance to take as a – yeah. as a skills coach or a yeah. coach in general, okay. but I was at least able to, there were three guys there that I was mm-hmm. able to like yeah. work with, work with yeah. that are like, I could, I still talk to to this day. So oh, that was it. the good thing I got out I of it. I got three things from that. All right. Number one, I respect the fact that like you went, cause I thought you were going to go the route of, I didn't go, I regret it. Right. And I did that before. There was George Niang and Matt Thomas. They're both in the NBA now. Both play for Iowa State. Probably a solid. Yeah, yeah. I folded on that workout when I was in college. I just got done with workouts. It was like two hours away. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, I can't make it. Um, we never worked out. Mm-hmm. Like, we're still, we, we still talk or whatever. Um, would something have came from it? Who knows? Probably not. Um, right. But I still think about that. I'm like, yo. Never doing that again. Like, there's an opportunity. I have to do it. Yeah. Because um, you never know what's gonna happen. Um, so I respect that. Don't respect the bus play. 
Um, Me neither. So I'm a, taking the Amtrak. Bold move. Yeah, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. And shocker did not pay off. Um, I've taken the Amtrak from Kansas City to Chicago a couple of times. Yeah. The craziest thing about that is it's like 65 bucks. Okay. Right. So, yeah. you know, I'll fly Spirit Airlines. I don't care. Like, right. I'll sit on the train for eight hours, Wi Fi. Mm-hmm. There's people on that thing from. Like the people behind me, I was talking to them. Like, yeah, we're going to LA. Like nineteen hours. That's like two days, bro. Yeah. Well, I looked up the ticket. The ticket's like hundred and fifty bucks. You can get a plane ticket to LA for like seventy dollars if you book it in time. <laughs> and you're gonna sell the Amtrak? It's just like uh, for the experience. And then last thing I'll say, <laughs> and I learned this, and it's uh, coming from a place of privilege too. Mm-hmm. But, like, there was one time in college um, I was working a tournament, yeah. like a basketball tournament. It was in Lawrence, Kansas, and that's, like, an hour away from Kansas City. Right. Me and my buddy were working it, and um, the people that were working it said, hey, listen, we got $50 for a hotel. We'll mm-hmm. split the hotel with you guys if you want to stay the night because you have to be there at 6.30 in the morning, 7 in the morning. So, you know, we're in college, and we're thinking, 50 bucks. We're not going to split anything. We're taking all that 50 and buying the cheapest hotel room. Right. Terrible play. <laughs> I remember that day, like, all right, it was worth the extra sixty dollars. Yeah. What did you get out of that? What did I get out of working the tournament? No. What did you get out of that choosing that hotel so that it was not necessarily free? Because you told me this story the other oh, day. So we went, and it was <laughs> it was so bad. We went to Target and bought like all new blankets to sleep on. So we ended up spending like the normal. Roughly spending. 100%. But now the way I look at things is like, I bet when you were on that that bus, you were like, dude, that Mm. plane ticket would have been worth it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But again, that's the place of privilege of like being able to like, to, you know, do whatever. Um, But do travel stories like, that stuff is terrible. There's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the side. So, whenever guys see Drew or see Alex or see mm-hmm. yourself, DJ Sackman, any of these folks, mm-hmm. right? Um, and now, in like in your own way, you know, you're working with Langston and, mm-hmm. and Shaq and Frank and some of these others. They see that, right? Mm-hmm. They see like the posts, like, oh man, you know, that'd be that'd be the life. And in a lot of ways, it is, right? Yeah. We, it's what we love to do, or it's what I say we, the collective we. I don't train NBA players, but um, it's yet. <laughs> it's what we love to do, though. You yeah. know what I mean. So, like in a lot of ways, yeah, that's the life. But it's not all rebounding for NBA millionaires. It's there's a lot of crap, right? Dude, there's a ton of crap. Yeah. Social media sucks. <laughs> Social media is trash. Like, right. Everyone's out there like. I'm like, wheels up to so-and-so. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> pretending like I'm dope. Right. You know what I mean? And meanwhile, you're sitting next to somebody that, store, that farted like three times over the yeah. course of the flight. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. But traveling, like, it's like anything else, man. Like, I want to get, it's a whole other tangent, but like, I'm trying to figure out the best way for me to get off social media, but still have a presence for business. Um, and I'm too, it's tough, but like, mm-hmm. I just make an excuse. I hear what you're saying. It's though. not yeah. that hard. I'm just, it's crossed my mind. It's like, man, you know, like his word of mouth and just texting and connections. But really dude, you can get, even if I was on for an hour a day yeah. and it was like posting, commenting mm-hmm. involved or whatever, yeah. 
That's fine. Yeah. It's the problem when I'm sitting here and I just want to look at my phone and go to Instagram. I, and, and honestly, what I'm proud of is I turned off all my notifications. So like, I tried that. shout out to those who try to DM me and I take six hours to get back to you. So um, I only have one. I have Twitter notifications on only because of co- that's the one that has the most coaches like interacting on. And you can kind of control your yeah. feed a little bit. You know, more. I tried. I also that. unfollow just a ton of people. Yeah. I just refuse to see negativity. We talked about that on the on the car ride up here, um, and that's kind of unfortunately what a lot of it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried the notification thing, but then I would be like, mm-hmm. well, I don't know if it would hit me up. <laughs> right. So then I ended up checking it more. What did I miss? <laughs> yeah, and it was like a little dopamine hit. If someone right. did, you didn't know it. I was like, it sucks. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it's like anything else. Everyone thinks that it's all glamorous. And See, I'm married. Nobody's uh, yeah, nobody's hitting me up. Yeah, so. no <laughs> up regardless. <laughs> However, um, wild statement. Yeah, statement. I remember talking to you when you were to LA last year about like training NBA guys and stuff. Yeah. Um, and it was like I'm not sure where this is going. <laughs> I'm nervous. No, no, no. But I'm saying this completely yeah. back on like the social media thing. It's not. As glamorous as it seems, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, sometimes the grass isn't always greener. That's right. Um, and, you know, so it's just, you know, I think everyone's like, I want to train to be a course. I want to do this. It's like, why? Mm-hmm. You know, for me, my why was because I wanted to challenge myself, and, you know, do whatever. But like for other guys, that's not, like, they just want to do it to post about it or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, dude, you're really good at training middle school and high school players. And call just, it, like, just love it. Just yeah. do that. Kill it. Provide for your family and just yeah. be great at that. Like, yeah. I don't think that I'm a better trainer than y- you guys because I have three and a half NBA guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I'm serious. No, it's, I hear you. it's not I hear you. like, but on social media, like, it's like, who do you train? It's like, well, you're not really training them. They're that's, already good. That's my least favorite question. You know, I've started getting to the point when, like, I do Instagram stickers or something, mm-hmm. like the stories. Um, and people ask that I'm like it genuinely doesn't matter who I train all that matters is the coach I am today yeah. not who I happen to be blessed to work with yesterday I will tell you this though um, and we all know, I mean we clearly know this but Luke I can tell um, on your behalf I re- genuinely don't think that there's like I think that you have this area down here locked down like from my personal perspective, right. um, when you when you break everything down, I don't think that anyone like stands a chance. And I think that in the long run, you're going to end up like holding it down down here. Now, uh, when it comes down to the KC Metro area, because everyone and their mother wants to be a basketball trainer nowadays. I mean, we got like a thousand down here, so I can't imagine. Um, so, but what I'm getting to is, is like, you know, you're doing good whenever you have a lot of people. Mm-hmm trying to talk down on what you're doing or at least trying to find at least a little Mm -hmm. thing in what you're doing and trying to point it out as like as if it's a flaw Mm -hmm. you know um i mean obviously i'm not going to name drop anybody but there's always going to be like with you um in the past 12 to 18 months your stuff has i mean on social media you've gotten a lot of like growth Mm -hmm. i think looking from the outside in and um I think with growth in that sense comes mm-hmm. growth in um, haters, for lack right. of a better term. Yeah, you know, I mean, as with anything, and I, th- I think 
I think at the end of the day, um, and we talk about this a lot, like those who are in your circle and truly know you, like those are the opinions we should be mindful of yeah. because, you know, they're the ones who have the context, right? For me, like truthfully, I have ambitions and I, and I think they're healthy. Like I've really thought about this over a, year, a few years now. It's like what you were saying why do I want to do that? Is it just so it looks cool? Is it just so people think I'm somebody? And I'm coming to the conclusion that I almost have a reluctancy to post about the players I work with or to brag or to quote unquote look like I'm taking credit. Mm-hmm. And I think that if any, if nothing else, I think that's indicative to me that I'm doing it for hopefully the right reasons. Yeah. Um, and then I think at the end of the day, if you're doing it for the right reasons, if you, if you have pure intentions... Um, then it just comes down to execution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's probably what I respect the most about you two as well, is like each in our own way or our own like journey, we're trying to do that and trying to think bigger than the next player yeah. or bigger than the next check. You know what I mean? Or bigger than this threshold of followers. Now I'm that dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? I... Uh... One thing that I think about a lot is I want to make it or not make it, I guess, by being myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and myself is, is stupid at times and sarcastic, you know, all that stuff. Um, but that's who I am. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't think, I don't want to mold myself into what sometimes I think maybe it should be what I could be to maybe get more of this out of the other. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, Cause then once you, if you change yourself just to get something, I'm not saying change, like you want to evolve and get better. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you change yourself just to get something and then you get it, well then it's not really like, you're there's not, no the, fulfillment. You know I mean? there's no fulfillment. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, I would way rather make it or break it by being myself. Um, being true to myself like mm-hmm. you know I'm big like I don't drink I don't smoke right um, which I don't say that for any other reason besides the fact that like one people think I'm drunk when I go out because I'm stupid yeah. but two it's like it's not easy mm-hmm. necessarily to be like no I'm good especially yeah. when you surround yourself with different um, I hear you. you know you're in different yeah. areas or whatever um, but it's like no it's who I am yeah um, and honestly and that's what like part of that failure I had as a player was like I came out of high school being the the dude that was you know super outspoken in my faith, super outspoken in my community, and like trying to be a leader in these ways, turning down every party after high school games and left and right. Yeah. And then I go to college and I flip that script, and that's where I have my two to three years of yeah. real inner sadness and like just being disappointed with myself. And now it's not it's not like you know. It's not like, you know, I've definitely changed, you know, we all change and like I have different ideals and different morals and different ways of how I perceive what a good person looks like or how I want to try to be. But the moral of the story is just, it's hard to be happy if you're not being yourself. Dude, something I think about, and I don't know if this is correct, um, politically correct or whatever, but I think we have to be okay being sad sometimes. Yeah, I think today's age, it's like if you're sad, something's wrong. 
and mm-hmm. then like you gotta immediately fix it. Yeah. And it's like, or you know, if you're sad, then people you know will turn to other vices to mm-hmm. kind of get away from that for a little bit. You know, whether yeah. that is drugs or alcohol or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Well, then you wake up and it's still there, and so it's just a cycle. And it's like, it's sometimes okay to be upset or yeah. sad or like doubt yourself and have like those negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, Cause then I think that allows you to truly understand like who you are, mm-hmm. your own thought process, how you handle adversity, how you handle stuff. Can you talk yourself through your situations? own personal growth? That's like a 100%. big part of it for sure. Yeah. How much do you think, um, like for me personally, and I'm sure it's different for everybody, like even just a few minutes of meditating each day has yeah. kind of helped with that. Just the way I look at thoughts. You know what I mean? Dude, yeah. I go on like 20, 30 minute walks. <clears throat> I used to have really bad anxiety. Right. I never told anyone this actually really at all. Um, podcast exclusive right here. Oh. Clip it up. Um, but there was one time where I was super into training. I was still in, I was like a senior in college. Yeah. Um, so I was doing college, had a job on campus, and I was training every night. And so it was like, that's a lot, especially mm-hmm. in college. Yeah. And like, it was like, oh, chest pains and like all this stuff. And I was driving on my way to Lawrence. And I had to pull over because I basically passed out at the wheel. Like, I thought I was having a heart attack. So it was like a panic attack. It was a panic attack. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize it till later mm-hmm. that that's, like, what it was. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, I still get, like, to the point where, like, I could feel, like, that kind of mm-hmm. coming on. Um, it's never got to the point where I'm like, no, But I, I have to be like, all right, let's relax. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, all right, how much pressure are you really putting on yourself? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, where does it stem from, um, and stuff like that? But I think it's, it's all correlated. Just being like, like meditation, like you said, just being yeah. at home with your thoughts. Because, dude, we're so busy with like, the computer, the phone, the podcast, the everything that like, mm-hmm. the Apple Watch. Everything is always yeah. something. I'm gonna be real. That's part of why I turned off my notifications. Yeah. Like, the anxiety of it. Like I literally just, and and I would notice like my, my wife, well-meaning, mm-hmm. just, I don't think she was being negative or passive aggressive, but I would literally like actively set my phone on the other side of the couch, mm-hmm. like closer to her, far further from me. So I'm not tempted to look at it. Yeah. And she would like look at me eventually and she's, this thing has not stopped going off. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I haven't even made it yet. Yeah. So this is <laughs> nerve wracking. Yeah, but always being turned on it's yeah. just I mean dude some of my best moments was like a two and a half hour plane ride when my phone's off yeah and it's like you I do my best like thinking at that point um, yeah. there's no you know at first how addictive we are like you'll reach for it oh well, I don't have I service anyway this is so tough um, but then it's like oh this is actually nice mm-hmm. you know I now keep my phone on like do not disturb most times me too um my phone's on silent and I have vibration turned off. So if it's, I don't want so to feel to, it. You have to actively be like. Yes. And that's why I do that. And so it's like, I, I'll pay attention to like on Sundays, I always get my. Take gunner off my emergency contacts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But um, on Sundays, Sunday mornings, I always get this uh, usage mm-hmm. notification on my phone. Yeah. And so I typically know when I'm going to get that anywhere from that 1030 to 11. Me. And what so it, I, I love it yeah. because yeah, that tells me what yeah. I need to cut down <laughs> when on. The, when the usage but, thing first popped up on my phone, I was like, 
The analytics of it are insane, though. Have you guys seen that, though? Uh, Recently, it tells you, like, when you pick up your phone, what's the first thing you tap to tap on? Uh, Which one is the one that has the quickest response to? Like, (laughs) it's... I'm kidding. We talked about this, man. I'm a hinge guy. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. But anyway, yeah, it's like, it's crazy what we resort to. Mm Mm-hmm. It, uh, and it's not even just us. It's just as a society I'll tell you, as a whole. You know, kind of wrapping things up because I know we got a college practice to go watch, a coach's clinic to go uh, chop it up and do do the thing. Big presenter. Shout, shout out Luke Cooper. Yeah. Ten, big, ten big time presenter. Uh, 25 minutes to figure out what I'm doing. When you guys watch this in a month, make sure you make it down to BBC at 10 a.m. today. Yeah. <laughs> BBC. <laughs> um, but... It's kind of wrapping things up. Like I think it's 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 super interesting as I think about how we've spent even just this conversation, because this is actually pretty indicative of just about any time I chop it up with you guys. Mm-hmm. We all study film, we all live in the gym, and so the basketball is at the end of the day it's basketball, right? And we can definitely draw on each other, and we 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 do ask each other. I, I need to do a better job of this, but you know we ask each other in our circle like or things that are directly related to X's and O's or skills or micro skills or what have you. But I think, I think the, the thing that's going to really be cool to see in a few years and like look back on this is like, this is a sneak peek into how we really think about what we're doing as a whole. You're approaching it from the human side. You're approaching it from like, how am I impacting my community? How do I have to be my healthiest self to do that in the best way possible? And then, like, if I can achieve those things, you know, what what am I after? You know, what is my journey? And making sure that's like a again a healthy thing, you know. And I, and I think that's that's whenever you know, whenever it's guys like you that are in my circle or older coaches that you know we all look up to and revere and respect that are doing that same thing and have been doing it for years. Um, it goes untold a lot, but I think that's what really makes a difference in not just our game, but in the lives of those who we're coaching. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, like, for my part, I just appreciate having people around me that challenge me to continue doing that. You, do you know what I'm saying? 100%. I mean, I think, um, I think the inner circle matters because mm-hmm. um, sometimes you get in your own head, mm-hmm. you know, with your beliefs on certain things. and. Right. It's almost like um, it's almost like when you're you know you're arguing something, you can find any article that agrees with you. Yeah. You know, it just depends on what you Google. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing with basketball. Sometimes you need other people to come with different um, philosophies, mindsets. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I think. You know, throwing this out there to kind of get your brain you know moving. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the creativity starts going at that point because um, you you have your beliefs. You have your thoughts, you kind of get boxed in mm-hmm. um, when really you just need someone to kind of like open that box a little bit and show like what else maybe could be out there. Whether you agree mm-hmm. or disagree, um, it's not really the point. The point is the fact that now you're challenging yourself to see other stuff. Right. If you do agree, if you do disagree, then that just further solidifies your beliefs. Right. Um, but I think that's, you know, having an inner circle that you can kind of, kind of rely on, you know, for, for business and for basketball and for life is, is crucial. And it's okay to disagree. Yeah. So not now, not in 2019. 
Especially. I mean, I'm saying like within within your within your inner circle because there's there's been a couple of times that I've seen too is like you'll have people that like have been that you've been close with for a while and there might be one thing that is like you might disagree on that might be like super important and then it just completely messes with the flow of of that circle that said yeah. circle mm-hmm. and it's like I'm just throwing it out there like guys it's okay to disagree and it's okay to be wrong sometimes mm-hmm. and sometimes you have to own up to yeah. to that and a lot of people are too stubborn to even do that so um yeah well said guys i'm gonna leave you to it go on our merry way yeah um appreciate you though and if you guys are listening to the podcast appreciate you guys as well thanks for having us man yes, podcast listeners thank you all once again from the bottom of my heart for listening to center court Tweet me at Coach Dakota Webb. Let me know what you thought.